You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy. Hello, Grounded listeners, and thanks for tuning in to our latest episode. We have a good one for you. We're talking waste today, and essentially how you can turn poop or other waste into power. I have an expert with me today. My name is Alan Johnston. I am a senior engineer for the city of Gresham, and I manage the wastewater treatment plant program for the city. Alan is here to talk about the plant's operations and how they've implemented energy projects on site that end up producing more electricity than the plant can even use. Gresham has also become the first certified facility for renewable energy certificates for thermal energy. Later in the episode, my colleague Rebecca Smith will join me to talk more about what are known as RECs. Alan, thanks so much for joining me on Grounded. Let's get right to it. What do you do here at the Gresham Wastewater Treatment Plant? The Gresham Wastewater Treatment Plant treats about 13 million gallons of wastewater a day from the cities of Gresham, Fairview, and Wood Village. How does it work? The waste comes in here and what happens to it? Yeah, all the raw wastewater comes into the plant. We treat it and discharge it to the Columbia River. Part of that treatment process also produces biosolids in our digesters, and that's some of the stuff that we'll be talking about today. Well, let's jump right into it. I think some people may be surprised to hear how much the plant and the city has focused on energy when it comes to this biosolid human waste in some cases, or restaurant waste. Can you tell me why that's a priority? I think it's important that we take something that used to be a waste, like uh, fat, soils, and grease, from restaurants and we recycle it and produce energy. One of the other benefits of what we've done here at Gresham is that it also brings in revenue from accepting fat soils and grease here. Uh, Last year we did about $350,000 in fog tipping fee revenue is what we call it here. Also the energy we produce here has saved about $500,000 annually in electrical rate avoidance here. So combined, we're over $800,000 a year in savings from the projects we've done here. And I'm assuming that savings gets passed on to your ratepayers. Absolutely. The savings helps uh, keep rates stable and keeps them from going up faster than they need to be. So let's talk about fog for a minute, the fats, oil, and grease. So that's just you know natural waste that the restaurants produce from their foods. And rather than going down in the drain, that can really cause a lot of problems you go and pick it up. So it's great for the restaurant in addition to your business here at the plant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. uh, Most businesses have what's called a grease trap or grease interceptor that collects that grease. They would then hire someone probably on a quarterly basis to come out and pump out and clean those grease traps and grease interceptors. And then that product is brought here from those haulers. When the fats, oil, and grease get here, they go to a digester. What does that mean? What's a digester? Yeah, we we have two million gallon anaerobic digesters here. It is just a big tank with no oxygen in it. Uh, That's why they're called anaerobic. And and the uh, anaerobic bacteria treats the fog, creates biogas, and that biogas is then run through engines. Biogas is just like fuel. Think of it like gasoline or something like that. So these, we have two big 400 kilowatt engines, and those engines run off that biogas and produce energy. And that energy is powering the plant? Yes, they produce electrical energy, 
And right now we produce more energy than we, than we need to run the plant annually here. So you've become net zero. We've exceeded net zero. We're about 10% net export for three years in a row now. And what happens to that extra energy? The extra energy uh, is fed back into the grid. Uh, at the end of the net meter year then, that extra energy is donated to a low income assistance program through PGE. And now I also noticed when I drove up, you have a big solar array. Uh, right along the property. How much energy do you get from the solar array? We do. In 2010, we started up about an acre and a quarter of solar array here, about 420 kilowatts of power. It averages about 7% of what this plant needs. Can you walk me through how you made these projects happen? Did you have to get buy-in from community leaders? We did. It was a relatively long process. It all started back in about 2009, 2010. We got a grant from the state of Oregon uh, to study fog feasibility deliveries here and look at the financial impacts and the market for that product. And that was very beneficial, showed it would be cost effective, showed it had a payback of about seven years to do those projects. And then um, internally, we put it through our capital improvement process here and budgeted for it. And I had great, uh, Great management staff, council, the mayor, everybody uh, was on board for those projects, and that's, that's what made them successful. Which energy project was first? Was it the solar or was it the digesters? The actual first one that we did was the solar project in 2010. And what, where did that funding come from? That funding for the solar project, the city didn't pay for it all. We did a public-private partnership agreement with a local contractor. They installed it all. We buy the power from it. And how about the digesters? How did that get paid for? The digesters that we have now were put in in 1990, so they were already existing. So we, had an, we used existing digester space to do these projects. We did, over about five years, we did almost $10 million in energy conservation and energy production projects here. Of that, just about 40% was from grants from the Energy Trust of Oregon and from ODO. And what are some of those projects? We did really three main projects. We did kind of a first phase of a fog receiving facility was the first project we did. We followed that up with, because it was so successful, with a second phase of fog receiving facilities. And then we added a second cogeneration engine here that ultimately made us energy net zero. So the biogas here at the plant is converted to heat and electricity for the plant. And I understand that that has made this plant the first facility to be approved for renewable energy certificates for thermal energy by the Oregon Department of Energy. And that feels like a pretty big deal. You're the first ones to do it. Can you talk about what that means? Sure, the you know RECs or renewable energy certificates are created for biogas produced electrical energy here, and we get those now through a program with Odo and Regis. Uh, but, but one thing they have not ever done is considered the heat that's produced in cogeneration. So if you think of cogeneration, co meaning two things, is really the power and the heat produced from the system that makes it so effective. So now uh, the heat portion of the cogeneration engines that's used to heat these buildings, to heat our digesters, is now going to be eligible for RECs. And what is the benefit of having a REC? Why do you need one? RECs are uh, certified, like I said, through Regis. Uh, they're important to prove 
that you're doing uh, beneficial things with the energy that you produce and that that energy is sustainable. So if you think about it here, the sewage never stops coming in, so you'll always have biogas. It's a sustainable source of energy. I think that this topic is really interesting to people because it does have this energy component out of kind of a surprising place. You're basically turning waste and poop into power. Do you find that, that people are really interested in what you're doing out here? Do you get a lot of interest from school groups or other, other people who want to know more about what Gresham is doing? There is. There's lots of interest. We have uh, lots of tours here, school buses of kids coming through here where we try to, try to show what we do, show them all the engines running, the solar system. We also do lots of tours for engineering groups, other municipalities, even groups from as far as Japan have come toured through here and all over the the country here and really the world. So you're setting a standard and showing people how to do it right. Absolutely. There's only a, you know, a handful of plants that produce more energy than they need to run in the entire world. It is, it is a very uh, significant thing that we're doing here. That's a great point. I mean, this is a huge production. You mentioned how much waste comes through. Do you know how much energy it takes to, to run the plant? This plant needs about five and a half million kilowatt hours a year. Last year, we produced about six million kilowatt hours. It is important that other municipalities you know, understand that we're, what we're doing can be repeated in lots of treatment plants across the country. And I think that's the thing, the thing that I try to get out and tell people is it's possible to do what we're doing. You just need buy-in and you need good planning and it'll happen. And it can be done. It can be done. And come stop by and learn how to do it. Absolutely. Doors always open. Love to give tours or information to people if they need it. Uh, that's what we're here for. Do you have any other big energy projects on the horizon or anything else you're looking at doing in the future? We're three years into this project uh, and we are using just about all the biogas we produce here. The digesters we have now are pretty much at capacity, so we don't have room to add more fog or other things right now. But we're constantly studying those kinds of projects. The big projects for us now are trying to find more uses for the heat we produce. So the kilowatt hours are kind of the sexy thing people like to talk about, but really the heat I think is gonna become even more and more important as we do these kinds of projects. So right now we're only using about 40% of the heat the two big engines produce here. Uh, we need to find a good use for the other 60%, and that's the big things that we're studying right now. Can you think, I'm trying to think of an example of what theoretically could be something that you could use that heat for. We're looking at lots of options. Like, you know, like I said earlier, it's used now to heat buildings, so we don't have to use power for heat pumps and those kinds of things. And it's also used to heat our digesters that need to stay at 100 degrees 24 hours a day. But we're also looking at maybe using the heat to dry the solids that are coming out of the digester uh, and get those, uh, those kinds of things done through a heat source instead of a mechanical kind of a dewatering system here. Uh, I think there's lots of different things we could look at. Also, um, some kind of heat source heat pump systems that are out there now that we're looking at using some of that kind of stuff. So we're just kind of studying all the alternatives we can think of right now. Uh, that's an interesting point you just made about using heat to dry the solids because, you know, you 
you're treating the water and the water goes back into the river after it's cleaned, but the, the solids, they need to go somewhere. Where do they go after that? We do about 5 million dry pounds of solids production here every year. 100% of that is recycled on agricultural land as a fertilizer. And so we, we take it, apply it to farmers' fields for free in a program that we have here. That might be one of the best examples I've ever heard of the circle of life. Yeah, yeah. So we, if you think about it at a treatment plant, at least here at Gresham's treatment plant, we produce clean water. That goes to the Columbia River. We produce biosolids. That gets all reused and land applied. And we produce biogas. And that's being used in our engines to produce energy. These have been really neat projects, thinking outside the box, projects that you don't typically do at all treatment plants. So they've been a lot of fun too. And we just have to continue to always think outside the box. We're trying not to stop those things. We're always looking at ways to better use ratepayer money here. Gresham is really walking the talk with their services and commitment to renewable energy. Rebecca Smith, Oregon Department of Energy Senior Energy Analyst, is with me to talk more about renewable energy certificates and why it's a big deal that Gresham became the first certified facility for thermal energy. Rebecca, thanks so much for hopping on to the episode. Uh, let's jump right into some of this wonky policy stuff. What is a renewable energy certificate and why do businesses or organizations need them? A renewable energy certificate or a REC is essentially a way of tracking renewable energy on the grid. The whole reason that we have RECs is because of our voluntary and compliance renewable energy markets. These are two markets that are merged um, around the time, one with renewable portfolio standards or RPSs, that's essentially the compliance market where utilities have to provide a certain amount of renewable energy uh, each year. And then there's also a voluntary market and that's really been driven by a lot of corporations, uh, educational institutions, just various entities that have corporate social responsibility goals, um, sustainability, and so in that sense, they wish to purchase renewable energy voluntarily. So that's the voluntary market. And the whole reason that we have the REC is because these two markets value this renewable energy and there's no way to track it once it gets on the grid. Those little renewable energy electrons become indistinguishable from those dirty coal electrons. And so we have the REC as the way that we track the path of that renewable energy. And when we talk about renewable energy, we're talking about consuming it. And so he who has the REC has the right to make claims about that renewable energy and to say that he has consumed it. So in 2016, the Oregon legislature added thermal energy to the list of eligible renewable resources. Can you walk me through what that means? First off, it's the first new generation source added to the RPS in uh, quite some time. And it also extends the RPS to now include cogeneration sources or cogen. And cogeneration is an efficiency. So in this way, the RPS is now, in addition to incentivizing renewable energy development, it's also incentivizing greater efficiency at plants. The legislation was very specific that it had to be from facilities that were generating electricity, using a biomass fuel of some kind, and at those facilities, if they happen to generate thermal energy, which can be used for heating or various mechanical processes, that they could then get credit for that. So essentially what it is, is it's waste energy that firms are being incentivized to actually find a useful purpose for. All right, so now we're here in 2018. 
and Gresham Wastewater Treatment Plant has become the first certified facility for thermal recs, and that seems like a big deal. That is a huge deal, not only because being first is awesome, but also because it was it's a really different process for certification. With electricity generating facilities, it's so straightforward. It's uh, minimal paperwork. It's very easy to verify. And so this was really a whole new approach. And we worked very closely with all of our stakeholders to develop a, a way to lay out what we needed to see from them in a plan. And it was a, a lot more back and forth between our engineers and Gresham's engineers. And uh, so it was really more of an iterative process. But in, in that process, we learned a lot more about their facility and about how we will treat organizations moving forward in terms of certifying them. So it was really, in the broadest sense, a real uh, proof of concept in terms of this new program and work, and how it's going to work. That's great. And not, not to mention, they're just doing great stuff out there. And so it's nice to be able to celebrate that. And they get something out of it with the new T-Rex. Absolutely. I mean, they are essentially getting a, a new income source for being more efficient. So we worked through it with the first facility. So what does the future of Thermal Rex look like? Do you expect more organizations or businesses to follow suit? I do. We have, uh, I want to say, four other applications in the pipeline right now. So we're working with facilities, and they vary from pulp and paper plants to other anaerobic digestion facilities. So there's definitely interest there. And we have now gotten our process, uh, we've worked out some of the kinks so it should move more quickly and we can provide more technical assistance to those who are seeking out certification. It will be limited just, you know, by virtue of the fact that you have to meet a certain, you know, you have to use a certain fuel feedstock. You have to then have an acceptable secondary purpose for your thermal energy. So there's a natural ceiling to the number of firms that can apply, but it's not just Oregon only. So we certainly hope that we'll see some, some wider interest from some of our neighboring states. And we're really excited to walk through new applicants through the process. We have technical experts on hand, policy experts, and we're really excited about thermal energy here at Odo. So I say sling those certification applications our way. Thanks to Alan and Rebecca for joining me for this week's episode. It just goes to show energy can come from surprising places. Yes, even from poop. See photos of Gresham Wastewater Treatment Plant on our blog, energyinfo.oregon.gov. Learn more about our work at oregon.gov energy. All episodes of Grounded are available on soundcloud.com oregonenergy. Subscribe to Grounded on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And please rate us. Your ratings help others find our podcast. Thanks for listening to Grounded a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy.